It's your girl, Boonie, and you're listening to episode 85 of the Boonie Breakdown Podcast. The podcast we sometimes cry, we always laugh, we might get a bit ratchet, but we're forever going to break it down. Your source for all things responsible and ratchet. All right, we're back. Uh, another new episode of the Boonie Breakdown. And today's guest uh, for this week's episode are the lovely Julian and Kirsten of Rich and Regular. You know, I was excited when I discovered them. And I hope they can inspire you in some of the same ways that they've inspired me to get your coins right, like right now. <laughs> um, I loved what I loved about them is that they were a couple who were aligned and were simultaneously working on financial goals and not only working on them, but they're working on them together and accomplishing them together. So we chat about all of that, how they were able to do that, how they uh, handle their finances, but also balance sometimes a family member who might depend on you or need you a little bit too much. Um, and we also chat exactly what does it mean to be financially independent? I feel like that's like the new buzzword and the financial community and if you aren't living breathing that it might sound a little foreign to you so they explain all of that so stick around for the conversation um i want to hop right into boonie's pick of the week and i think it aligns with this episode perfectly and for me it was the um the pick of the week was the government shutdown now I know some of y'all are probably like, wait a minute, (laughs) the government, by the time this episode airs, um, the government has only been open for a week. So what you happy about, right? And for me, it was a true blessing in disguise. Um, I just, for me, I was personally affected by it. I don't talk much about the nine to five on here for obvious reasons, but not being able to receive a paycheck. um, And and for this timing to happen at the beginning of the new year, it gave me everything I needed to have these creative bursts and to put the energy into the boonie breakdown. Right. And it also timed perfectly with some of the financial goals that I wanted to do. And it, it it ignited in me the passion to get this debt gone. And that's where I was slowly moving. As I wrote down how much debt I was going into 2019 with, what were the goals, what I wanted, to, by the time we hit 2020, what I wanted to be zero. <laughs> and then for this shutdown to happen, I'm like, this proves the point all the more. And it ignited the fire in me to do this even more because, you know, at a moment's notice now, I could have no income, right? <laughs> but it might be okay if I have my savings and I'm not giving out all my money to chase, to discover, to whoever I owe it to. And so for me, it was a, a blessing in disguise. And I do feel for some of uh, my colleagues and people who got the residual effects of the government shutdown who were put immediately into dire um, situations. And so tying this into the housekeeping, um, you know, the feedback from the episode with Chrissy and Sheikah really, and we talked about our openness and um, how we're going to therapy. And one of my assignments from therapy was to learn how to accept help. And part of this with the government shutdown People who were reaching out to me who know my situation and knew that I wasn't getting paid were like, do you need anything? 
And so it, it was another bless because it was it gave me practice to say yes or to say no or not right now. I'm okay. But people who were insisting on helping and wanted to, and I love them and appreciate them for that, it also gave me the practice to start accepting help, okay? And so for me, I know for some people, it might not have been um, the same situation and they might not have been able to see the same um, blessing in the shutdown, but I hope at least the lesson you learn and after listening to this episode inspires you to take the steps, to take the path to move towards financial independence, okay? So... We're going to skip on into housekeeping. <laughs> I'm going to hop off my soapbox, but I really do mean it. And I, I think that um, it just gave me so much clarity. And it, w- it was a nice cocoon to be in for a little bit because I was not in a situation knowing that I was going to get evicted. I didn't have to worry about where, you know, I was getting my next meal, etc. And so for me, it just really gave me the push, the fire I needed to be like, you know what? I'm going to keep growing this brand. I'm going to keep doing the things that I love. And at the same time, I'm going to use the funds from the nine to five to get this debt gone. And you'll hear further in this episode, we talk about sacrifice. And I remember Julian um, specifically says he goes in depth about that word. And so stick around for that later. On to housekeeping. Um, Feedback from episode 85. You guys, I know a few of you ordered... Your vibrator from Dane Products, okay? Don't forget the code. Um, I know it was some confusion last week because in the episode we said the code was Boonie. The show notes the code was Boonie 10. So it is Boonie 10. So go ahead on over there and uh, grab some (laughs) self-care. So because of the response um, from the Ratchet Box of Love, I actually singled out. Some people were like, oh, I just want the cards. And so you can get Boonie's Ratchet Notes. Um, so to get all of these items, you can head on over to thebooniebreakdown.com backslash shop. Of course, it's linked in the show notes. But Boonie's Ratchet Notes is just a little six-card gift set. There's some little racy, little raunchy, little ratchet card you might want to drop in the mail to someone or drop in a gift to someone too. So you can check all of those out. Of course, of course. Um, in addition, one way you can help me out is I love those reviews. I love it when you tag me and give me feedback from the episode, right? Um, so you can do those in many ways. You can send me an email over to thebooniebreakdown at gmail.com. You can shoot it over at the uh, the contact page at thebooniebreakdown.com backslash contact. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, The Boonie Breakdown. You can follow us on Twitter, Boonie Breakdown. And when sharing this episode and letting everyone know what you listen to, please use the hashtag, the Boonie Breakdown, the hashtag pod in P-O-D-I-N. Um, as you know, as I always say, if your page is open, I will always respond, share, and communicate with you once you tag or use the hashtag. All right. So that's it, guys. So let's get ready to break it down. Hey guys, it's your girl Booney, and I'm really excited for today's episode. It's a responsible themed one, but I told them that they can cuss, and I hope that they do. <laughs> so I would like to welcome Julian and Kirsten Sanders to the podcast. Welcome. Hey, Hi. hey what's up? How are you? What the um, fuck is up? <laughs> yes, let's get it going. <laughs> um, <laughs> they run the rich and regular podcast and i have to shout out a past guest jamila Souffrant, 
of Journey to Launch. Um, I found out about this lovely couple from her podcast. And what I loved about them is that they looked like me. They were black. Um, as I said on that episode with Jamila, that was my first time actually hearing about financial independence. I did not know that was a word for people in this debt-free movement. And now that I'm so fascinated by it, I keep soaking it up. But I feel more empowered when it's a black person or a brown person. And it's like, you can do it. Exactly. I mean, it's a different journey. Like we have to tell our story a little bit differently as people of color, as black people than what's mostly out there. So I'm the same way. I'm naturally attracted to any black people talking about money. <laughs> Me too. And I think the, the the thing I also loved about your story was how you guys did it together as a couple, because I know it's a, this is another excuse, but whenever you see, when I see people who are like single and they're like, oh, I paid off. I'm like, how, how did you do this? And then you click the article and it's like, I moved back in with my parents and paid them $20 rent. (laughs) And I was able to pay, you know, save $80,000 in a year. And it's like, well, that's not realistic for a lot of people. But I liked that it was a couple like you guys came together and said, this is our goal for our life, for our future. And so that was inspiring to me. I love it. I love it. Uh, Quick, So quick um, correction. We don't have a podcast. We've been... Uh, they've been pushing us to do a podcast, but we actually don't have a podcast. It's a, we have a blog, uh, richandregular.com, but we don't have a podcast, dot, 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 yet. <laughs> Look, by the time this airs, I think you should have a podcast. <laughs> I see what you're trying to do. <laughs> see, I'm talking it into existence for you guys. Man. But I know you have, you have the, the baby and... Yeah. I will say podcasting is a lot, so... I understand. We've heard. And that's exactly why we were like, you know what? I'm going to just try to get on other people's podcasts and, you know, just have fun with that rather than setting up the uh, the little closet studio that I think a lot of people have, which is, you know, I love the hustle. I love the grind. But I, I will say a lot of podcasters that we know, like, complain about how much work it is. And we don't really- It like is a lot. So, so, you know, and that's I understand. It's easy, but, you know, it, it just seems like it's a lot of work. Yeah, I think it's just like it's like a different push, especially depending on how you decide to set up your show. I keep saying you guys are going to do it. So but (laughs) I'll leave that decision to (laughs) y'all. But I want to hop into it. Let's do it. How? Okay, I guess a little background. How did you guys meet? How did you become a couple? And then how did you decide we're going to go on this path together? So we met at work. It's the most unromantic story ever. We were in the same conference room and I looked at him and I was like, damn, okay. Um, (laughs) But we didn't start dating immediately. That was just my reason. Okay. Um, So it took a couple months before we actually started dating, but we saw each other, you know, pretty much every day because we were in the same office. Um, At the time, I had quite a bit of credit card debt and some other like consumer debt. I had a car note. I had, I was, I was a spender. I was fly. I was in my 20s <laughs> you know, having the $200 brunches every week. So um, at the time I, I was spending a lot and Julian was not. And so how finances came up is we decided to take a trip together about three months after we started dating. And at the end of that trip, he realized that I had put it on my credit card and his ass was like, if I had known that you were going to put it on a credit card or no, if I had known that you had credit card debt, I would have never started dating you. 
<laughs> so are you serious? I offended my way into a money conversation and then he offended me back. <laughs> so <laughs> that's terrifying. I know. And rude, right? It was. I'm not going, I'm not going, you know, I'm not going to lie. Um, I've, I've heard that story a couple of times now. Um, I'm not going to go into my full rebuttal, but I will say the reason why I said what I said was because I had just come out of a situation where money was problematic and it was an issue. And so I just knew that I didn't want no parts of having to deal with like money issues or money challenges. And certainly if somebody was going to be like not transparent about it. So that was where I was coming from. I, I Obviously, it was poor word choice, but um, it came from a good place. <laughs> and look at you know that. <laughs> I mean, look at you. It paid off. But wow. So was that kind of like a hook for you a little bit to be like, oh, I got to get my shit together because he's a good guy and I, I don't want to lose him. So I'm going to see what this is about. Yes. Eventually, I got I got to that point. I think originally, initially, I was just mad as hell. Like. Because I had never, like, I I just never had thought about credit card debt as being something bad. Like, I assumed everybody used, like, that's what they were for. Everybody uses credit cards to travel. There's whole ass travel credit cards. Like, I had never thought about, I never felt any sort of shame around my financial choices. And he was the first one that made me feel that. And so it took a while for me to get past that to start to say, okay, well, maybe he has a point. Like, (laughs) There, debt is problematic. Debt does prevent you from living, you know, your your fullest and best life. So I, I eventually came around, but I won't pretend like, yeah, it was instant. Yeah, because I'm like three, mo- three months into dating to already have a conversation about, you know, debt at least. I don't know if it was detailed, like I have X amount of credit card debt. But the fact that he was just like, just because you have some, like... Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, I I don't even know how I would have responded to that. Well, honestly, it was it was it was not just the fact that she had the debt, right? So I talked about why I felt you know so passionate about drawing a line in the sand, but it was also because, as she said, the sort of lifestyle that she was leading, right? So it was like, all right, so you are in debt, you are spending like crazy. I know this because I see it, and so I was like, yo, this is getting bigger and bigger every single weekend. Right. And so gotcha. that's really what I was reacting to. It was it was her relationship. You saw the behavior. It was her relationship with money that was, you know, apparent, you know, because we were spending a lot of time together. So for me, you know, we were just living it up. We were having a great time. And so like for me, it was like, yeah, I mean, we got it like that. Shit is great. And then come to find out, I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, <laughs> Oh, it was oh, it was luggage, just baggage. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that because I thought we were just like you know free you know and just wilding out and having a good time, uh, and so you know and and I cared about it, and so I was like wow I, I I knew enough to know that our mindset at that time was so different that it really would have been a waste of time to to, to ignore what I saw as a really really big red flag, and so luckily she kind of took it as a challenge. Um, and, and, and we came together and, you know, we were transparent about not just where we are, but where we wanted to be. And ultimately that led to where we are today. So where did your, your money acumen come from? Like, how did you develop a relationship with money to know that, you know, I don't want to have debt. I want to have savings. Cause it seems like you maybe had some type of knowledge that your wife didn't. Or your girlfriend at the time? Uh, yeah, I, I think it came from. No one's ever asked me that question. Uh, I think part of it is just being from 
Brooklyn, honestly, and, and, and having a little bit of like a hustle and hustler mentality. So that's a part of it. The second part was um, being in grad school. And so I moved to Atlanta when I was like 16. And when I was in grad school, uh, getting my MBA, I just remember just learning a lot about business uh, and, and realizing that I can apply a lot of these lessons about business to my personal finances. And so okay. it just became kind of a fun little challenge for me. And I've always been one to like look ahead. And so, you know, even in, in those earlier days, I was thinking about real estate investing and just other ways to make money. Like I knew that I couldn't just get a job and let that be my only source of income. And I didn't know how, I didn't know anything really. I just knew that, all right, there's the job and then there's got to be like three to four other things going on that's <laughs> going on in the background. And so I've just always kind of had that, uh, that mindset. Um, but also, I mean, I was a homeowner and living by myself uh, for a while and money was tight, you know, so it just kind of forced me to uh, straighten up because, you know, when you have a mortgage on your back, it's like, you know, you, you'll mess around and lose your house and destroy your credit and, and things that can get ugly really quickly. So I just kind of had that discipline. Uh, and I think that that natural interest just from the environment that I've been around. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, you know, growing up for me. No one talked about money, really. And my grandmother was kind of the person who I would always go to. I skipped my mom. And I used to joke because (laughs) I told my grandmother, like, when I got older, I was like, I would have thought the Lord was a banker because every time I would go to her, I'd be like, at school, they need us to buy this $200 calculator or we have to do this. And I would ask her for the money and she'd be like, the Lord going to make a way. And then I would have the calculator. So I have no idea what she did. If she went to a savings account, she put it on a credit. I have no idea. But I just know everything I asked for, I had it. (laughs) So I used to joke with her like the Lord was a banker because every time I asked you for money, that's what she she would just say. It would happen and it was like a miracle. So I don't know what she was doing with her money. and But I just know we had it. And I kind of feel like that trickled into my behavior, which I'm now trying to have, like you just said, the discipline to correct some of these things that I picked up as a child. Like, spend it. You got it. You work hard. Treat yourself. Like, that's where I kind of fall in. So I get you, Kirsten. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was cool. I, I get deserve. you. I, I, I definitely felt like I deserved twice as much as what I was making at the time. And I spent <laughs> about that much. So. <laughs> So what was the first thing, like, once you guys got on the same page, like, okay, we're on this journey to financial independence, what was the first thing you did? Uh, We took a piece of paper and a pen and wrote down all of my debts. So every credit card, every, you know, car note, I only have one car note, but you know what I mean? Car notes, bills, just all of my expenses. And then obviously wrote down my income and started to develop a plan around how long it would take to pay it off and what I would need to do to pay it off. And at that time, Julian was like, one day you're going to look back at this amount of money and laugh at how, you know, in a tizzy it had you or, you know, something like that. It was just, I I ain't in a tizzy. (laughs) I've never said in a tizzy in my life. In a tizzy. Damn tizzy. (laughs) Fuck out of here. That's how I remember. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But you did tell me that I was going to laugh about it. And he's right. Because I think the total, you know, 
at the time, a credit card debt was somewhere around nine or ten thousand dollars. But it was t- the kind of nine or ten thousand dollars that wasn't going down. I was making interest only payments every month because I was just paying mm-hmm. the minimum balance. Um, and so it was never moving. And I just felt like I would never be able to get rid of it. And I know a lot of people with student loan debt feel the same way because all you're really Ooh. doing is just buying more time by paying that interest only. Yeah. And so as soon as I understood that and found new ways to dig into the principal by you know, trimming expenses in other areas, I started to feel like I was getting somewhere. Yeah, no, I, I think after I had... Um... Uh, Sonia, the student loan doctor, on. I sat down. I love her. And I sat down and, like, look, I calculated, like, how much interest on my student loans. And I'm like, oh my God, this is why the balance doesn't move because I'm paying 400, but it's accruing, like, $900 in interest a month. Like, it's never moving. I'm like, this is why. Yeah. So, and I've, I've totally reached the point now where I'm just like, I'm sick of paying other people my money. That's it. Like that, that was yeah, and like that was exactly what I needed. Where it was like, would you leave a five hundred dollar tip at Chick Fil A? Well, then you should be just as concerned about the five hundred dollars that you write to Bank of America every month that doesn't get any yes. benefit. Like it's the same five hundred dollars, the same dollar. And as soon as I understood that, like you don't want to just put your money on fire in the middle of the floor, then it gave me what I needed to focus and get the balance down. We keep throwing out the word financial independence and maybe some people listening might not know what that means. And so would you guys mind explaining that and then what financial independence looks like for you? Yeah, you know, and that's a really good point because that that term, you know, it is used a lot. And so there is financial independence and I think people hear independence and they, you know, they, they oftentimes think, you know, financial freedom as well. And they say that's the goal, but literally uh, there is a definition for financial independence. Uh, And so what it basically means is um, when you reach a point where your investments earn enough money, right? So you have money in the bank or you have, let's say, real estate or you have other uh, investment vehicles that earn interest and it compounds uh, every single year. When the total of that growth meets the amount that you consume on a regular basis, then basically you don't have to work for money anymore. Your money essentially covers your cost of living. So a really simple example is let's say you have a million dollars, right? In stocks and bonds and mutual funds and real estate and all of these other things. And between dividends and rent collected and all of these other different ways that you can receive money from those investment vehicles, you get, let's say, $40,000. If you live off of $40,000, then basically you can live off of your investments. You don't have to go get a job. You can if you want to, uh, or you can start a business or do whatever you want. Um, but the point in which you meet uh, and where your investments basically meets your cost of living or your consumption on an annual basis, you are considered financially independent. Got it. So are you guys financially independent or how much time 
or on your goal plan? Like how much more time is left for you to be financially independent? We are not financially independent now. Uh, my best guess would be around three years from now, um, but it really just depends, right? So literally the stock market is going to shit as we speak. Uh, and so, <laughs> literally. <laughs> as we speak. And so, um, you know, obviously that shrinks, but, you know, depending on the type of investor you are, this is a great opportunity to buy. It's basically a Black Friday sale on stocks and bonds, right? And so if you can buy uh, and get a great value now and you believe in the growth opportunities and sustainability of the market, then basically that money will grow and will pay you back three, four, five times um, uh, over, over a certain period of time. So we're not financially independent right now. Um, my guess would be around three years, but it really just depends. And, and for us, it's 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 a it's a feeling. I mean, we could move some money around right now, sell a couple of things, and technically be financially independent. Um, but our goal is that we want to uh, have a certain quality of life, and there's certain things we want to do, mm-hmm. and there are other things that kind of complicate that. We have a kid. Um, we may decide to have another child. Um, we also, let's keep it real, like my mom, you know, we just wrote about this on a blog. She is um, not in the most, you know, financially comfortable situation in the world. She's technically, uh, I guess, what's considered financially insecure. And so we have to factor in uh, potentially having to support her uh, as well. And so it's a little difficult for us to um, just nail down a number right now because that number could change uh, tomorrow. Gotcha. So how much debt did you guys you know, once you came up with your plan, how much debt did you pay off over what time period? We paid off uh, about $200,000 over five years. And that included our primary mortgage. So yeah, wow. uh, it was a mixture of our primary mortgage. It was two cars, some student loan debt, obviously credit cards that I talked about before. Um, some tax debt. <laughs> it's just a stack of debt. Uh, but the bulk of that was the the house we were living in at the time. That's what's up. During that time, what did you have to sacrifice in order <laughs> to to become debt free? So did you did you have to give up your vacations, Starbucks, you know, gifts to each yep, other? Yep, yep. <laughs> we still- we still traveled we just traveled differently um so we would be really focused to try and use points and discounts where applicable the locations that we traveled to um were very uh strategic (laughs) so like we would take a trip to you know thailand where the u.s dollar is super strong so once you get there you live like a king king. yeah very cheap (laughs) little things like that i mean we traveled a lot into uh, in in the u.s to make sure that you know we weren't having to pay international flight prices um we definitely gave up you know starbucks and expensive date nights uh, we cooked a lot at home, and that was a huge catalyst for saving gobs of money. Um, and what else did we do? She mentioned something little. This little things like you know we would set and and, and create like um, like gift caps, right? So if, oh, it, if yes. it's a birthday, and it's funny because we don't talk about that often, but yeah. that is definitely something that we do. Um, say, all right, listen, you know, this Christmas, you know, it's a fifty dollar cap, you know, and so we got. Get, get the best thing you can get or whatever you want to get for $50. Um, another uh, sort of um, 
I'm going to call it a sacrifice, but I guess it's more of a tactic is even giving, right? Like you got to put a cap on that and we would budget for that. We would say, Mm -hmm. listen, you know, we want to help people, but we can't help everybody. And so this is how much we're going to set aside to help uh, anybody that's in need, or it may be to support a particular cause because, you know, or whatever it is. And we just set a cap to that as opposed to just leaving it all open, um, you know, which has been helpful for us because, you know, we can say, hey, we can help, but this is how much we have allocated to help. Um, and we're willing to give that to you, you know, and, and it's better than saying no. Um, but yeah, of, um, I don't like the word sacrifice. It was more like trade-offs. Um, because for us, it was a matter of saying, you know, we're not going to spend money today on this thing. Um, we're going to put that money to work and allow that money to grow so that we can then get this bigger thing, which is really freedom, true freedom in owning your time uh, at some point in the near future. And so it was a bit of a trade off, um, or at least I just like the way trade off feels <laughs> more. No, I can rock with that because sacrifice that makes it sound hard. Like, oh, I can yeah, never I feel have like I Starbucks again. Like, Mama <laughs> sacrificed, you know. Like, yeah, we still have Wi Fi. We got Wi Fi. <laughs> we didn't have cable, but we did have a Wi Fi. Real talk. We- well, oh my God, I'm so moving there. Like I just said, like I, this Comcast bill too damn oh, high. Yeah, girl, so. It's just going to be Wi-Fi. Like, I, I can't pay y'all yeah, no more money. Had, I don't even remember the last time we had cable. It's been six or seven years. We were early cord color. Yeah. Damn. And now we... I've only heard people will be like two or three. Seven yeah. years. And not, not even that it sounds so hard, but that's just like, wow, you were there seven years ago. Well, but think about that, right? And so think about that bill. That, that you got, right? And I imagine taking that money six, seven years ago. Oh my God, I just pulled out my calculator. Like, yeah. okay. And, and, and investing in right? <laughs> and, and growing and growing um, ever since then. And so we've, you know, when, when you see that, like when you literally, you know, we've had some, uh, not recently, <laughs> but, you know, I want to say like earlier parts of this year, you know, that Friday night after work and we just look and, and see like this crazy growth and you, you know, you look at the news and like the Dow Jones is going crazy. And then you, you look at your account and be like, show is. <laughs> <laughs> you be like, you know what? That, cheers to that, you know? Um, and now it's, you know, we're still the opposite. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's real, you know, compounding interest is real. Investing is real. Stock markets is real. It's not really that complicated. Um, it, it just, it takes some, some trade-offs and, and for some people, it may take some sacrifices, um, but, you know, we definitely stand by it. And, and for us, it's it's paid off. That's what's up. No, I just really did the math on that. And, yeah, that number made me a little sick. So, um, yeah. yeah, this is this is my last month with cable. I actually called them last week to just be like, just I just need Internet. Like, I I can't do this anymore. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that number just made me really sick. What I, you know. Wow. And it's easier now than it is than it was when we did it because Yeah, I'm like, what were y'all watching? (laughs) (laughs) No, that was a sacrifice because y'all did Netflix existed, right? I don't even know, did did it? We had an Apple TV um and we bought Netflix uh at the time and I don't think Hulu I don't think we had Hulu at the time. But we had um, an Apple TV that would, would allow us to stream videos and stuff but we just bought a new tv for the first time in like five or six years um a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago 
and it's all in the TV. Like you don't even need TVs are so sophisticated. Like I have, I too have not purchased a TV in like oh, I've been in my house eight years. So like eight year, eight or, yeah, eight years. I've not purchased a TV, and so I was yeah. at my my boyfriend's house and. <laughs> His TV does everything. I'm like, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. It's like putting a phone on your wall. Like it comes with apps and stuff and you can just watch. You don't need cable. Like you really don't need it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I just, I can't give them this kind of money every month again. Um, you re- you just mentioned, you know, your, your mom and how you might have to factor her in to your future plans. Did you guys experience, because I've been recently reading a lot about like the racial wealth gap and it was a tweet that went viral like maybe two weeks ago where the person was like, you know, one of the hardest reasons why um, black and brown people can't um, generate wealth is because the, you know, the kid who made it and is making a nice salary. It's like, yeah, their disposable income is like mom's light bill money and their little brothers, this what money they don't get to enjoy their money and invest it in the same way that their white counterparts do. And I know I did have some personal experience with that, with taking care of a parent um, for an extended period of time. And so did you have to deal with like throughout your journey, like having to say no to family or, um, or balancing your goals with financial support of others? Hell yeah. Uh, that, that, that is definitely, well, I should say on my side, right. And that's not to call out my mom specifically, but the reason why I'm comfortable saying that is because we just wrote about that. Um, and it was one of the most popular posts that we've had, um, on our blog since we launched it. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's and the reason why I wrote about it is because I think it's one of the biggest sort of um, challenges that I think you know, particularly young, uh, relatively successful Black millennials are dealing with, but not talking about. Right, the fact that mm-hmm. you know they see all these things out there, they want to live their life, um, but they hesitant because they know that you know any day now they may have to send some money home, or you know Mama's got a bum knee, or you know Mama's on got you know blood pressure meds and diabetes meds. And, you know, it's like, damn, they made it. They, they're doing well in their jobs and their careers and they're growing, but they don't feel like they are because they got all these bills and on, t- on top of student loans, on top of high yes. cost of living and all that other stuff. And so it's like, damn, I was like, I made it. And it'll really, you know, mess you up in the head and make you wonder, like, what did I do all this for? Like, I, I went to school and did everything right. And I did all this stuff only to get here and still feel broke. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, we absolutely dealt with that. Um, and, and I'll be blunt. I don't have an answer for it. You know what I mean? It's such a complex and difficult issue. Every family is different. Um, mm-hmm. I will say what what we did is, you know, and it was a lot of trial and error, but we would start sharing, you know, with them um, on both sides, a little bit about our approach, a little bit about what we were doing and why we were doing it. And bit by bit, we didn't just, you know, come out of nowhere and say, hey, we're going to drop our expenses really, really low and then retire, you know, in three years. And our money is strictly for us. And like, we didn't do that, you know, because, you know, the reality is it's life is is, is messier than that. And so, um, you know, we little, little by little, bit by bit. Um, and finally, they would open up. And and what's funny is it wasn't until the blog actually started to like get like some press 
Or, you know, <laughs> like something dope would happen, you know, and they'd be like, oh, what's this little thing that y'all doing again? And so it would create, like, you know, an opportunity um, for them to learn, you know what I mean? And so that's been really helpful. And I know everybody doesn't have that as an opportunity to open up their parents' eyes um, or ears. But, yes, we did deal with that. And, and, I, but, and I think the answer is, you know, start early and, and, and often as possible and start having those conversations with your parents because, you know, you realize that they have very, very, they, they grew up and came up in very different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in some cases, my, my mom uh, and my whole family is, is from Jamaica. And so there's a cultural aspect to elders and the level of respect that you have there. Like it's deep, you know? And so you don't talk about money. You damn sure don't, you know, try to That's the truth. Not. You know what I mean? And so, you know, we, we, we kind of address a lot of that stuff head on. And, and luckily we have parents that have been open to it. Yeah, I know that was the hardest thing for me. Um, I ended up having to like get real with myself because I didn't want to face the fact that I had to change my lifestyle because I was taking care of a parent. And so I'm still out here like, I'm single, I make good money, I'm gonna do what the hell I want. <laughs> and I'm globetrotting and and not that I spent my money on things, I like to travel. So I'm like, all right, I can go to Africa, take a Mediterranean cruise, go to Bermuda all in the same year. Like, and that's what I did. But at the same time, I'm paying, you know, mom's bills. Yeah. And my bills. <laughs> and eventually, you know. The, the floor was about to give out a little bit. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. You you have to change some things up. And so um, I, I do agree with having the conversation. It, was, it wasn't a conversation that was easy to have to sit down and say, look, I can't be giving you half my paycheck, right? <laughs> but I had to do it because now I have goals. Like I said, I don't want to be giving my money out to everybody every month for the rest of my life. So... Yeah, I mean and that's part of our motivation is is that 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 pattern stops here. Like we, you know, Dave Ramsey has this saying where you know you you do the things today so that you can live like no one else tomorrow, and that you mm-hmm. know financial independence is something that changes the family tree. And that's our goal is like we don't want our son to be thirty four with a wife and a, a infant <laughs> worried about you know how he's going to support Julian and I like. We want that yeah. stops here. So he will, you know, knock on wood, lower willing and the creek don't rise, grow up with <laughs> some level of, you know, investment from us. I, I um, what's it called? Uh, um, <laughs> inheritance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I can't remember my words. But, you know, he just, he's, he's born with a level of support that isn't common in our communities today. Like we, we want to, be, it's not. we want to change that because that, our white counterparts have that. Like that's that's the wealth gap. Yo, their challenge it's right huge. now is what do I do with this money? I, real literally, talk. Like we're part of that. It real, it, like we're in, it is, and it's like little things. I went to uh, a predominantly white um, high school and middle school. Amber, like after college, I went out to dinner and I was talking about, oh yeah, I'm looking for a house, and I went to the mortgage broker, and then Amber, this girl turns to me and she's like, "You're putting your house in your name." And I, I like like who else, whose name would I put it in, you know? And she's like, "You you put it in an LLC." And I'm like, "What?" But because her father told her, 
Like that's the way she can save money on taxes. Like, but it's just like a playbook that they have that we don't have. And little stuff like that, that she just little tips and knowledge that she knew what to do with her money that it didn't even cross me. It was just like, well, I went to the bank and got pre-approved. <laughs> My credit was good and they gave me a mortgage. And I, I just, I'm astounded when I read these statistics about how just a simple $30,000, which isn't an exorbitant amount of money inheritance for a white counterpart makes leaps and bounds of a difference in their quality of life and financial picture versus black and brown people. Absolutely. And that's the part that got me like really fired up about financial independence is you just, you start to read about the amounts that we're talking 30,000. It's so little $30,000. Yeah. Like this is what's driving a generational crisis, a wealth gap that, you know, our, our children aren't set up for to succeed in the future. Like, on top of, you know, climate change, on top of all the things that are coming their way, they also don't have the financial tools that they need to, to do well. Like, and we're talking about $30,000 or $20,000 or something that doesn't feel like, you know, you would think it'd be 150000 or $1.1 million, And that's... Yeah, that's but the it's so little. Yeah. Oh, it, it, yeah, that, when I read that, it burned me up and it was like another thing too. It was saying like... Um, black people put their money in like safe investments. It was like life insurance, just like their primary residence and in, in real estate. And um, whites, they do the stock market. They do way riskier investments that give a higher return. And we aren't. We're slowly moving there, but we aren't there yet. Yeah, and and to be fair, those vehicles and instruments of wealth building weren't always available to us. And so that's why exactly. we're missing the playbook is because our grandparents couldn't. They didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. couldn't or, you know, did and and got swindled, right? Like Yeah. They they at at a time where they thought they were doing something good like with, you know, sharecropping for example, you mm-hmm. you end up in in a, in a worse off situation. And so you start to build this distrust for systems that are supposed to generate wealth. And again, like one of the reasons why we're living our story out loud is to try and rebuild that and say, all right, it's not quite the same. Now there's regulations, <laughs> not saying that everything is clean and, and clear, but um, if you don't play, you're going to, you're going to miss the next wave. And there are new industries being created mm-hmm. right now from cannabis to technology where black people have a real chance of being early entrants. And it's just about to your point, like cutting your damn cable, stop eating out. So that, yeah. like, <laughs> and I don't want to oversimplify it, but for, you know, a, a good bit of us mm-hmm. who are degreed and salaried and working at corporate, you know, employers, it, it is that simple. It, it is just that simple. Like you can invest just as easily as and just as automated and never even see it as you could have a Spotify account. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I know a bunch of people that have it and don't even really listen to it, but they pay $10 a month and it just, or cloud storage, right? We're talking about the same yeah. money, something that you have probably two or three of, and you don't even think twice about it. All we're saying is do that with something that grows. That's it. And let it go and don't cut it. Just keep doing it. Treat it like. And that's what I finally did. Like with I I opened a a Charles Schwab account because I wanted the checking account because it's good for travel. (laughs) 
<laughs> and when I got there, the guy like totally upsold me on like, oh, you should open this brokerage account. And I'm like, I don't got no money, but I just want this free checking account. <laughs> and it's, and it's sad that I let, I let it sit for like probably two years with like $25 in it. Honestly, like I put the initial in, but like, that's all I needed. And I didn't put anything else. And then one day I was like, they email you like weekly, some type of, book or investment tips and I started reading it and then I found like a mutual fund like and I just was like I was so afraid like I can't lose no money but I will spend at the time like I was spending like a hundred dollars a month at Starbucks (laughs) so (laughs) and I'm like what like just just do it so now I have it where it's like 65 dollars a paycheck or something like that just goes there and like you said you don't even see it exactly once it's gone it's gone Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, so what are your like your financial goals for the, this year, which 2019 and for like your next three years? I know that's the time frame you threw out earlier in the podcast. But like, what are some of your financial goals where you guys are? You don't have any debt, really. And you're ready to get towards your financial independence date. Oh, that's a good question, because we still we're still working through them. Um, In 2018, we went from a two-income house to a one-income house. Julian left um, his job after 10 10 plus years. Um, So we have made some big adjustments financially just in how we budget. I think for 2019, our goal, our big goal is to try and make some headway in paying down uh, the debt on our investment property. So we still have a small mortgage on that one and we'd like to own that free and clear, like the other investment property that we have. Um, What else is on our list for 2019? Um, Our blog uh, has been um, great. The response has been wonderful. Uh, We were featured in Glamour Magazine, their final final print uh, edition, their money issue. Uh, There's a write-up on us in the back. Um, there's a film coming out about the fire movement, uh, called playing with fire. Uh, we are in that film as well. Um, we had a really great partnership with the Atlantic uh, and so on. And so our goal is to continue doing things like that, uh, to help grow, uh, the rich and regular blog to help turn that into a business, uh, and to use the knowledge that we've attained over the last couple of years from real estate investing to, financial investing and been in our financial independence, budgeting, uh, and even down to cooking, because that's a big part of what we do. Uh, we want to start sharing that with people um, under the rich and regular name. And so that's, that's the goal is to put all of those uh, into motion uh, for 2019 and, uh, and beyond. And I think, awesome. I think my personal financial goal for 2019 is just not to freak out. Like <laughs> the, <laughs> the market is doing the wobble right now. It is quite shaky. And you there's a lot of losses on paper, right? When you see, mm-hmm. you know, your your portfolio balance go down, you start to wonder like is that real? And it's not. It's the, the, any loss on paper is not realized until you withdraw or sell. And so our goal is to stay the course, to continue buying like Julian mentioned. This is like a year long, two year long, however long it lasts, Black Friday sale. And so to keep investing, don't lose confidence. Obviously, don't be stupid, but 
don't freak out like that. <laughs> it's a it's it's a mindset thing for me in 2019. So before we wrap up, I do this thing on the podcast called the breakdown. And so I'm going to shoot out one word and you say the first thing that comes to mind. It could be a phrase. It could be a sound. It could be a word. All right. Okay. You both can go for each one. Okay. Awesome. All right. Freedom. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Freedom. Shit. I'm coming up blank. You go. You go first. (laughs) Oh, gotta have it. (laughs) Freedom. Gotta have it. I like that. I'm going to steal that one as my answer, too. (laughs) generational wealth critical necessary student loans the devil satan (laughs) (laughs) cooking hate it passion happiness a state of mind wine rich regular julian (laughs) (laughs) and last one debt the worst depends ah i like it well i want to thank you both for coming on the boonie breakdown uh before we wrap up if you can share where everyone can find you on social media on the internet um yeah list all your stuff shout out time (laughs) we're at uh, richandregular.com and then we're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at, at Rich and Regular. Perfect. So again, thank you so much. Please go follow Rich and Regular everywhere. Sign up for their newsletter. They send out good tips. Uh, and be sure to watch out for all the amazing things that they do in 2019. And hopefully they'll add a podcast <laughs> to the brand as well. We're coming full circle. So thanks again for coming thank on. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks again to Kirsten and Julian for coming on the podcast. You know, I told you guys this episode was going to inspire you to look at your money a little differently. Okay. I know it has helped me uh, as I research more about financial independence. And could you imagine like potentially losing the love of your life because of credit card debt? Like, oh my God, I died. <laughs> so let's all start working and pushing to eliminate this debt. And finding a partner that's going to help us level up, okay? So if you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to listen and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or any app that you listen to your favorites on. Don't forget to leave a review, too. You might just hear your review on the next episode. Follow us on social media. Share the episode with those you love, those you don't love, those you fucking hate. I don't make those pretty images and audiograms for nothing, okay? Have a dope-ass week. Thank you for listening. And remember, the ratchet in me always honors the ratcheting you. Ho, Until next time.